or what you do or how it goes. Just every time you lose, like you're being trained to lose. And that feels like your life. Maybe it feels like you're stuck in the mire, just going around and around and around. Or maybe for some of you, you had that experience and then you got free of it and you felt like, yes, this is awesome. My life is chained and everything's going good for me. And then suddenly you end up back in that place where it feels like you're going around and around again. Maybe it's old habits we've beaten or old thought patterns we thought we'd kicked. Or maybe it's new challenges or stresses or struggles that paralyze us and we feel like we're in the mire again. How did I get back here? I thought I was out of this. David, our psalm writer this morning, he addresses these feelings and this struggle in Psalm 40. Let's read it together. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Almost to the middle. Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. No one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have pierced. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. And then I said, here I am. I have come. It's written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim righteousness to the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, as you know, O Lord. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and salvation. I do not conceal your love and your truth from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, O Lord. May your love and your truth always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head, and my heart fails within me. Be pleased, O Lord, to save me. O Lord, come quickly to help me. May may all who seek to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May all those who say to me, aha, aha, really says that, be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation always say, the Lord be exalted. Yet I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Oh my God, do not delay. This is God's word. And my big idea this morning is that God saved us out of the mire And transforms us daily to be a wonder of his glory and grace. God saved us out of the mire and transforms us daily to be a wonder of his glory and grace. We carry good news. This week I I went to the United States. And we went down there because... Our, although we don't have it up this morning, we have we Jubilee got a new drum set, and I ordered it, and so then I had to go to the States to get it because there was all these border issues and all this 
stuff, anyway, paper stuff. And so I went down there, and I got the drum set, but it was missing the snare. And they said, oh, we'll send the snare later. And I said, oh, great, thanks a lot, okay. So then this week, I took the two boys, and we said, let's go down to the States. We'll go down and go on an adventure. And so we drove down, and we drove through the border, and it was really fun. They're like, we don't remember going over the border. And we went over, and as we were driving through the American side, I saw that going back in the Canadian side, it was a huge, really, really long line. And then I'm like, oh, should I drive somewhere else to a different crossing? This is going to take way longer than I planned. And so we went and we got the drum, put it in the car. And then I was driving down to get in this really, really long line. And suddenly there were two lanes. And I thought, oh, this is great. And there were people moving into both lanes. So I drove into the one lane. And my lane start just kept going. And I just kept driving by everyone. I thought, I finally, finally am in the lane that moves. I've waited my whole life for this. To be in the lane that's moving. Hey, guys, I see you. Yeah, I'm in the fast lane. I don't know why. And then partway down, I started to get worried because this lane kept going and going, and people, it, it was really fast, too fast. And then I started looking. Is there signs? Did I miss a sign? Yes, I missed a sign driving, and the sign is like, you know, business only, do not enter, duty free, I drive into the duty parking lot, and all these people are like staring at me from their long, long line. And I was like, oh, no. So I drove back, and I drove up, and I waited to get back in this really long line with all these people staring at me. And then this old man, he lets the car in front of me, in front of him, and I was like, oh, man, guys. I was saying to the boys, oh, this is not good. And then the old man says, come on, you too. And he waves two of us in front of him into this really, really long line. And I was like, I drove in. (gasps) Thank you, thank you. Oh, this is like just grace, guys. This is like, we don't deserve this. Here I, I, I didn't do it on purpose, but I'm in the wrong lane. And we drove up to the, to the border guard. And then I thought, oh, now it's going to come down. And I said, yes, we've got a drum. We're bringing back a drum, a snare drum. And she said, what's that? I said, it's, it's, it's a drum. Do, 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 you know. And she said, okay, go ahead. She just waved us through. And I drove through. I thought, that's awesome. No more questions, no more paperwork. We didn't have to pay anything. This is great. Okay, it's your choice. All right, I'll take it. And we drove, we drove to the Chevron. I said, guys, it's a heat wave. Let's stop. We got a non-air conditioned car. Let's stop. We'll get a Slurpee. We walked into the Chevron. We got our Slurpees. We walked over to the counter. We put them down. Then the guy said, is this all you're getting? I said, yes. Three Slurpees, please. And he said, just take a spoon and get out of here. And I was like, but I, I have money, sir. I'd like to pay. And he said, no, no, no. Free Slurpees. We walked out and we got in the car and I said, this is grace. Grace upon grace. Like, how many things have to happen for me to think about grace in my life? Do you know we carry around good news? Those kinds of everyday graces should remind us that we're carrying around good news. Good news like I was stuck and mired up to my neck, and he lifted me out because of his goodness. And he set my feet on a rock, on a firm place, and he made my life beautiful because of him. And my life has become a beautiful song to his glory and his goodness. And others will see and hear this song and trust him. That's good news. But I was stuck. 
Augustuck David calls it a slimy pit, or the mud, or the mire, or in the ESV it says the pit of destruction, which makes it sound really scary, the miry bog. But you know what? The, the best news is always preceded by some kind of issue or problem, by a, by a situation or a glitch. And the best news is usually the resolve of that problem. Like we didn't have a worship leader this morning. And then, oh, Steve Codling and Joe came from MRCC, and they were willing to come and to serve and lead worship for us. It's awesome. Or we could pay our bill finally, and the money came through, or the application was accepted, or I got that extension on my term paper, or we were stuck and now we're moving, or we were lost and now we're found, or we were sick and now we're well, we were in debt, and now our debt is paid. The Bible tells us that we have a spiritual problem, and the spiritual problem is that we're stuck, we're trapped. David describes it well in the slimy pit or the miry bog or the muddy muck. Paul talks about it this way in Ephesians chapter 2 in the message. Says, it wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it, all of us, doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with a whole lot of us. It's a good description of sin. Doing what you want to do when you want to do it. Actually, our culture says that's like our culture motto, isn't it? Do what you want to do when you want to do it. As long as it doesn't hurt anyone, do what you want to do when you want to do it. The Bible says that's the definition of sin. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper. But David describes a different response from God. David says that it wasn't anger or wrath, but mercy. That he inclined. He he turned to me, David says. He lifted me. He drew me. He brought me out. And Paul describes the same thing. And the next part of that same passage in Ephesians chapter 2, this is what Paul says. Instead of his losing his temper, instead of that, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. And then he picked us up and he set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. God is the one in action, embracing us, inclining to us, reaching out for our rescue. And then God puts me and you in highest heaven with Jesus. My feet on a rock, a firm place for me to stand, making my steps secure, my footsteps firm. Jesus is the one changing our situation. It's all his idea. It's all his work. You guys are reading the rest of the passage, aren't you? It's good. It doesn't stop being good. It just gets better and better. I had to cut off at some point, though. You should read Ephesians 2. It's full of awesome stuff. And then he gave me a song. That's what David says. He put a song in my mouth. Now, I've made some music. I've written some music. If you didn't know that, it's true. I led worship. Um... A significant amount, and I wrote quite a bit of music myself. Actually, I wrote enough music that I eventually made an album. And so we have that 
it's here, and if you haven't got it, it's here for sale. And um, it's music that I wrote, new music that came out of my heart and my experience in my life. And the amazing thing about, like, I like old music, and I like music I didn't write from you know, all sorts of other places where they're writing great music and awesome worship songs and songs that turn your heart to the Lord. But there's something about a new song. And do you know what it is? It's that it came from you. It came from your experience and your story. That's when my, often it's the boys come down and it'll be like, yeah, I wrote a new song on the drums. And I'll be like, oh, okay. It's like, yeah, I love you, Jesus. And you'll be like, can you write a song on the drums? I don't know. Like, but it's awesome. Or on the guitar. And they write this, and they've written down something. And it's special and amazing because it comes out of their story and their experience and how God's revealed himself to them. This is the amazing thing about a new song. When God works in our lives, he's putting a song in our mouths. When God rescues us, we have a song. When God brings transformation, we have a song. When God heals and saves, we have a song. When God meets us, confirming our identity in him, we have a song. When the spirit works in us and bears fruit, we have a song. We have a song. And your song, your new song, and my new song is meant to bring glory to God. It's meant to direct people to the one who's doing it. Our lives meant to be a song and a declaration of what God has done. David says, many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. And yet we live in a present reality. And the one thing I noticed reading through this psalm is that there's a lot of tenses, like grammar tenses. There's past tense and present tense. And David, he says, God has done great things for David, but then he says he needs God to do some things for him now in the present or in the future still to come. He says things like, I waited, he lifted, he set, he put. Many are the wonders you have done. But then he also says, do not withhold from me. Be pleased to save me. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. That's the present. It's like, you helped me and I need help now. Let's be honest, nothing lasts very long anymore. I mean, most things are made in China, right? Is that offensive? It's true. And things that are made, you look around and things, they don't last very long anymore. I don't know if it's just because they're made in China, but things don't last. They don't make things to last. That's how it works. No one sells parts. Just ask my dishwasher. The top rack has been patched many, many times. No one fixes things. We buy new ones, don't we? We buy better ones and faster ones and bigger ones and ones with higher numbers. You have a five? Oh my goodness. You need a six. Six? That's so old. You need seven. Eight. Eight now. Nine. You need a nine. Wait till they make the nine. We can fly. That's what it's like. Or holidays. You go on a holiday, and the, the bliss of holiday slaps you in the face when you come back to work. Or your tax return, euphoria. I got money back for like a few minutes and then you realize you have to pay it to the debt or to your thing you owe this bill that came in or your new house we got a new house it's so exciting there's something called buyer's remorse i remember the first night we slept at our house this is so great oh my goodness what's i didn't see that hole before what about this hole oh we boop we bought this house oh no look at all these things we got to do 
Newlywed delight crashes and burns at the first married fight. Oh, no, what have we done? (laughs) It was going to be bliss, I thought, for years. Your newest gadget, happiness, fades when the plastic starts to fade. And you're like, oh, it's old now. It's two months old. It's old. Why can't I be happier for longer? Why does the joy not seem to last forever? Why doesn't anything last? David talks about trouble and sin. He says in verse 12 and 13, For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. We had kids camp uh, last week, or two weeks ago now. And one of the kids, I was doing the Bible time, and so I was sharing the Bible stories, and we were working day by day, sharing the good news. And at one point, one of the kids said, well, if Jesus fixed the problem, then why are we still sinning? Why do we still have sin? And I said, yes, good question. Very good question. Grappling with the hard questions. This is our present reality. David knows that he was lifted up from the mire, and he was placed on a rock, But right now, he's feeling the struggle. And maybe you can relate to it. Maybe you're a Christian and you trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin. And you invited his spirit to come in and work in you. Transforming you day by day. But maybe today is hard. Maybe it was everything you had just to get here. And singing the songs, you just, you're like, oh man, I don't know if I can sing these songs. It's just, I feel so hard today. Maybe that's you. Maybe your heart fails within you like David. This is a lot of our present reality in different moments and on different days. The world is broken and life can be hard. The challenge is a reminder. The challenge is a reminder. As a good father, I want my kids to be happy. I have five kids. If you didn't know that. There's this last summer... There's a smiling picture. We're happy. And I want my kids to feel that all the time. I want want them to be happy. But more than I want them to be happy and smiling like that picture all the time, I want for my kids to be compassionate, kind, and generous people. I want them to be good husbands and wives. I want them to be good fathers and mothers and employees and leaders and community contributors. And I want them more than anything, to follow Jesus and to love him with all their hearts. And as a good father, I know that they can't see that far ahead. And so between now and then, there's going to be some unhappy moments. Some moments where they are deeply unhappy. (laughs) Why are you doing this to me? Deeply unhappy. Because I can look ahead And they can't. They don't. And that's why I'm the father and they're the kids. Now, Deuteronomy 8, 11 to 14 says this. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and you are full and you have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply, and your silver and gold is multiplied, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. The truth is, God is less concerned about your moment-to-moment happy face 
than he is your long haul becoming like him. You're knowing him and being his child and experiencing all of his grace and goodness, what he calls abundant life going all the way. And so the trouble and the challenge remind us that we belong to him and we depend on him. Now, I need to say, too, that there are things that happen that, um, that aren't good learning lessons and that we don't want to, we, we're not going to minimize evil, horrible, evil, tragic things that happen to people in our community, to one another, to people in the world by saying, oh, it's okay, God's teaching a lesson. He's a good father, so just don't worry about it. There is horrible, awful, evil things that happen. The promise is that God is a redeeming God. And God takes those horrible, awful, evil things and he turns, brings good out of it. It doesn't make that good. It means God makes things good and he can bring healing and restoration because that's who he is. That's what he does. Sin damaged our world. Sin damaged the generations and the relationships. It's called original sin. It affects us all the way down the line. We can't get away from it. I heard on the radio they were doing this this traffic survey, and they were trying to figure out why there's so many accidents and people are such bad drivers. And so they did this survey, and they found, generally speaking, like people seem to know the rules of the road. You know, there are some people who, who failed, you know, a little bit. But generally people knew the rules. The thing that was so incredible that they found was that 90, over 90%, of the people in this survey said they were incredible drivers. And so the people doing the survey said, how can it be that everyone is an incredible driver? The problem is always someone else. Someone else is the problem. And one of the a policemen called in and the policeman said, I pull people over all the time for traffic infractions. He's a traffic officer. And he said, the majority of the responses I get are people being defensive and angry, people justifying, saying, I just saw six other people do exactly what I did. Why are you pulling me over? And the policeman said, you broke the law. Yeah, but they all did. Why didn't you pull them over? Well, I'm pulling you over. Well, that's not fair. And they get so angry about it. And the conclusion of the discussion was this. We don't need to send everyone back to reform school to learn the rules of the road. This is like, This is what they said on the radio as their summary. We don't need to send people back to rules. We need to change our attitude. We need to change the way we view ourselves. Everyone says, I'm so good, I'm so good, I'm so good. And everyone is a problem. Until you own it. David says this. About, this, about sin, he says, they are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. And I'd love to say that sin is the problem and it's their fault and the brokenness of the world is their fault and their fault and their fault, except for my, I've blown it more times than I'd like to admit. I am selfish and angry and proud and judgmental. And my heart fails within me when I look at myself. And then I read Psalm 40, and I'm comforted. When David says things like, you are my help. You are my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. 
come help me right now. I need help today, Lord, today. And we were made to be a wonder. I'm attracted to tales of superheroes. I don't know why. I just, I really like them. Lauren is not so attracted to tales of superheroes, so we don't always watch those things together. (sighs) But it's okay. We'll survive. But stories about, like, the super people or the Avengers or all these different characters who, like, there's something about it. And I think what appeals to me is that I know that they've got these powers or these different things going on. But I know that no matter how down they get, they're going to win in the end because they're the superhero. That's how it works. The superheroes win. And so when you see those stories and you know, oh, they're down. Oh, it looks so bad. Oh, are they dead? They can't be dead. They'll come back to life. They must come back to life. Okay, yes, they did. Oh, awesome. Wow, look at this. That's, there's something appealing to me. And yet I watch it and probably part of the appeal is I know this could never be me because I don't have any superpowers. I don't have that ability. I'm not like, I don't have some cool mutation that is going to help me do amazing things. I'm not rich or wronged like Batman unless there's some kind of universe in which having many children is a superpower. And then the Dugans and I can, we can all go live there and have many children. But God's promise is not that we become super people, but that we will become a wonder. That we will become a wonder because that's what he makes. That's what he's bringing about in us. And we must learn to trust. I met a a guy, a Christian, a, a good kid who grew up in a Christian home. He was just on the edge of my youth group way back in the day. And I just met with him this week and we caught up. And he's grown up now. And so I asked him the question at one point, you know, are you, are you part of a church? Are you going to church? And he said, no, I'm not. And I, I'm, still, I'm still struggling through, you know, what I believe. And he said, you know, I'm wondering, do you, do you believe it and then you see it? Or do you see it and then you believe it? Because he said, and I heard this, I've heard stories of these people I know, and they saw an arm grow back, and I want to see an arm grow back. And then I'll believe, have you seen an arm grow back? And I said, no. I would love to see an arm grow back. But I said, no. And then I said, if you see an arm grow back, it's not going to make you believe. And he said, what? Yes, it will. I said, no, I don't think it will. People saw arms grow back when Jesus was around. People saw people come back from the dead when Jesus was there. Jesus healed all sorts of people. They were laying, they walked. Everyone didn't believe when they saw miracles. That doesn't make you believe. I feel like it would be helpful. But it doesn't make you believe. And I said, in the end, a bigger question for you is, will you learn to trust him? Is he good? Is God love? Is he dependable? Is he faithful? Would you put your trust in that God? And he said, "Mm, I've never thought about that. You know what? We're all trusting in something. This is what David says this. We trust something. And the question for you and me is how solid is the thing you're trusting? Think about what do my, what's my trust really in? And then ask how solid is that thing? Because people will let us down. And the economy will let you down. Your RSP, your plan for your pension, all these things. Your, the economy will let you down. The government will let you down. Your career dreams and goals and aspirations for yourself, what you will achieve in your life, will let you down. Our health lets us down. 
Our spouses and our kids let us down. And your parents let you down. And our pastors and our spiritual leaders let us down. I am going to let you down. I guarantee it. I'm a human. I'm going to let you down. What is your trust in? David says this in verse 4. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who looks not to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Corey Ten Boom said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. And the point is that our God didn't come out of a black hole yesterday. He has thousands of years of track record in this book about how he has kept his promises, how he has been dependable. He's kept his covenants. He went above and beyond. When we failed on our side, he went above and beyond, giving his own life. He didn't leave us estranged and separated from him. His enemies, the Bible says, he came in the person of Jesus to reconcile us and to bring us into relationship with him. This is a God you can trust. Now, I think it's hard to get past the idea for a lot of us that this God who's done all these things and he's so amazing and he, you know, he, he gave himself and all of this, that that God isn't looking for my religious activity. He doesn't want my religious activity. It's hard for us to grapple and understand that. That God's not keeping track of your church attendance, although I am. <laughs> Just kidding. Or your Bible reading chart. You think God's in heaven putting little stars on there? Oh, Jonathan, he did his reading today. I'm so happy for him. You think that's what God spends his time doing? Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. David is a man after God's heart because he gets something not many other people understood. That God was after his genuine heart. Not his dutiful religious activity and obligation. And Jesus, God in the flesh, walks around saying things like, Matthew chapter 9, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came to call not the righteous, but sinners. He incensed the Pharisees and the teachers of the law because he broke their religious rules to open up their religious hard proud hearts and to say that's what God is after your heart that has just came out in the open right now that's what God wanted more than he wanted you to follow the list of rules and God's promise is to make us into a wonder a demonstration of his glory Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says again that Ephesians chapter 2 gotta check it out for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We get so stressed sharing our faith. I get stressed. Oh, I'm going to say something spiritual in this conversation. I got to do it. I just got to do it. I go to church. There I did it. Okay, good. Okay. That was so stressful sharing my faith. You know what? There's an, an African saying that says, be careful when a naked man offers you a shirt. (laughs) 
And if we're walking around naked and we're trying to give people the shirts, people are going to be like, whoa. First of all, whoa. Second of all, why are you giving me something you don't have? What we're going around sharing is not, we're not door-to-door salesmen, vacuum cleaners, or coupon books or something. This is the wonder of the glory of God transforming lives. Many, Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you planned for us. No, no, the wonders. You made the galaxy. The wonders you have planned. The things you have planned for us. Arrhenius says the glory of God is a human fully alive. There's an old song that goes, uh, it says, you do all things well, just look at our lives. And as a worship leader in university, I led this song, and I like the song. And um, a girl came up to me after, and she's like, I hate that song. And I said, well, then I'll never sing it again. I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't like the song. Okay, well, why don't you like the song? And she said, I don't like the line that says, you do all things well, God, just look at our lives. And I was like, why don't you like that line? She's like, well, I don't want people to look at my life. It's a mess. Like, I don't always want someone to look at my life. It doesn't always say what I'd like it to be saying. And the truth is, we can feel like that. That can, I could feel like that on a day. But the, the real truth, the truth that God is saying and the proclamation over us is that we are being changed. We are becoming his wonders. If we belong to him, if we are, have become new creations, transformed by his spirit, we are becoming wonders, demonstrations of his glory and his grace. And that is a beautiful story that we get to be a part of. God saved us out of the mire, transforming us daily to be a wonder of his glory and grace. We carry around good news. I was mired up to my neck. And God inclined. He heard my cry. And he put my feet on a rock. And he put a song in my heart. And people are meant to hear that song and trust God. But not every day feels like a song. Not every day feels like a musical where I'm going to sing and dance and make everything into a song. But God is with us those days too. And the cry is that, God, will you come and meet me in the middle of this, the trouble or the sin or the struggle? And the good father comes and says, I care more about your long-term destiny, your purpose than I do about your every moment smiley face. And lastly, we were made to be a wonder that no matter how I feel or what my life looks like in any given hour, that God is transforming me. That's his promise. He's making me more like him and that my life would be a reflection of his glory and his goodness and his grace. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for Psalms. Uh, I thank you for how uh, real they are, how much they feel like our lives and our cries and our situations. I love that David doesn't pull punches, that he's not trying to make a song that sugarcoats life and sounds really great but isn't real, that he pours out his heart before you. 
And that as we enter into that, Lord, we can see that um, you died on a cross to set us free, to pull us out of the mire and to set our feet on a rock, to give us a song in our hearts that we could sing to your glory, that people around us would hear and they would begin to trust in you as well. Lord, I thank you that you know our reality. You're not far away somewhere. You're not off in heaven and you can't see what my day-to-day is like, that you walk with us. Your spirit indwells us and that you are a God who journeys with us, who empowers us and lifts us out of our situation moment by moment. I thank you that your promises that you are making good come out of my life, that you're going to make a wonder out of me. Even when I look at myself and say, I don't deserve it. I can't see how it's possible. Your promise is that you're good at finishing what you start. You're the only one who really finishes what you start. And so we look to you, your faithfulness, your goodness, your love, and we say, Lord, we want to trust you more, that you are going to make a wonder out of our lives, not for our sake, but for your glory and your fame. Amen.